Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and horror-adjacent films like tonight <laughs> that you can stream on the internet. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the monstrous manifestation of my desire to get out of this fucking house and get drunk in public in, in nature like God intended. Mars. <laughs> <laughs> hello hi i was like what is the source of my strife right now sobriety in my own home yep <laughs> yep How where once it was a frowned upon you might be an alcoholic and now we all have to do it but now it's like how do we tell the difference anymore are right? we all just right? raging alcoholics right one of my reasons i love podcasting so much is i can pretend i'm social drinking right yeah <laughs> and not just drinking to push down the pain <laughs> what i enjoy about it is that my level of drinking and solitude has not changed but it's brought everybody to my level so no right? longer we're now. in your bar now <laughs> <laughs> right oh man i can't wait i cannot wait I was talking to Matilda, one of my co-hosts on Zombie Girls today, and she was telling me about the new metal-themed brewery that opened in her neighborhood. And I was like, wait a minute, I can go to there soon. I cannot oh wait. God. I'm going to get drunk in so many new places. Ugh, world, you're not ready. World, hold back my hair. Here I come. <laughs> I don't even know if I remember how to drink in public. Yeah, I don't know if I know how to behave in public. Yeah, I don't know if I know how to be in public. I don't know how if I remember how to wear non-stretch clothing in public. Or how to go somewhere just to be there and not to be like, this is an in and out. This is a mission. Right? I have this thing that I have to do and then I'm out of there. I've forgotten yeah. how it's like to just show up to a place and be like, and I'll, hear, I'll be here for a yet undetermined amount of time doing whatever happens to cross my path. And eventually, I guess I'll just decide to go home. Yeah, we're going to have to relearn how to linger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be wild. Oh, my God. It's going to be like teenage years all over again where we're like, we just have to loiter. We just yes. Have to learn how to loiter. Oh, my God. What is it going to be like when people are actually able to go to bars again responsibly? It's just yeah, going to be know, like but... a bunch of unsocialized fucking weirdos, dude. It's going to be like when you were before you were 21 and you had to go to underage clubs. Yeah. And everybody was <laughs> super weird and awkward and super eager. That's going to be everybody. Yeah, also, the name of your next album should be Learning to Loiter. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that stings, because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you, girl? How are you doing? I'm I'm hanging in there as yeah. much as one can hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fingernails and toenails. How hanging are in. you? Oh, by the way, I almost texted you while I was watching today's movie. There was a prolonged foot and face scene that I was like, oh, this is a horror movie from ours now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. I watched this movie one and a half times because oh, no. I watched it once and only made it part of the way through before the sheer weight of my preceding week fell upon me and I fell mm. asleep. But watching. I made it through that part. And oh, I no! forgot. I forgot about that part until no. last night when I was watching it again and it got to that part and I was like, dope, now I've seen this twice. <laughs> I mean, as far as feet go, his were not the worst, but the proximity to face was troubling. Yeah, it was bad. I, <laughs> nope, I, 
<laughs> yeah, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah, it sure damn was. <laughs> so obviously today we are going to be reviewing a movie called After Midnight, which is the movie that makes me think, hey, maybe I want to move to Miami too. Sounds like a good place. Sushi, Cuban food. Oh my God, when she was talking about Cuban food. Can I just tell you the Cuban greatest food. sandwich on the planet? Cubano. Period. Oh, Done. Yep. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, what, what's that mm. one with the olive muffalata? Muffaletta? Oh, yeah, yeah. Close second, too. but Close yes. Second. Cuban, Cuban sandwich is the greatest sandwich. It is. They have perfected the sandwich. Agreed. A hundred percent. Now agreed. I really want a Cuban sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> There's a place nearby that has Cubans and I have a feeling. Soon. 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 <laughs> yeah. Can you at least rub hub it or something, maybe? I don't know. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to order it soon. <laughs> it will be in front of me soon. And they make their own pickles. Yeah, it's oh. really freaking good, Mars. It's Yeah, I have a mm, Cubanos. Mm. Yes, so good. Anyway, so if you had an emotional monster, like a metaphorical emotional monster, what would it be for? What would be the source of your angst? And what would it look like on the spot? The source of my angst would be a certain small group of co-workers. <laughs> not, <laughs> not all of them. No, but you love some of your co-workers. Percentage of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it would... I don't know how it, how it would appear but for some reason i feel like it would be something very small and buzzy and stingy that just kind of keeps flying into my ear and trying to get to my brain oh yeah so it's a super bee something that kind of sneaks up on you but once it's present it's very present mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah some sort of demon bee or like a whole cloud of demon bees it's demon bees it's demon bees yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's a good one okay i'm trying to think of what mine would be what is the source of my angst right now hmm (laughs) i think it's maybe just sheer exhaustion (laughs) and it would be yeah so it's sheer exhaustion overworking just feeling like i never have a moment of downtime which is a problem with my own creation so i'm I'm not trying to complain but for the most part things are knock on wood good right now so that is probably the biggest source of my angst at the moment and i think it would be sort of an amorphous blob no, 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 because I was going to say it was going to crush me and make me lay down, but that actually sounds like sweet bliss, and I might I might like, give in to Yeah, the there abandon. is an element of falling asleep in the snow to that. You're like, this is bad, but still, it's still comfortable. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. So I think instead it would be a spiky little monster that runs around every time I try to sit down and gets under my butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my monster. What was that movie? Critters? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Remind me, I have a spider fact about this movie. Uh oh. <laughs> it's upsetting. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that is that is my metaphorical monster. Okay. So, Mars, before we get into all this, can you do me a solid and remind our listeners of our spoiler policy here? We are gonna spoil the entire thing. We're gonna start at the beginning and we're gonna go to the end. And I think I would suggest not going in spoiled. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. If only because the final reveal is such an actually surprising moment Mm -hmm. that it's definitely worth watching blind. And so much of this movie is about what's real, what's not real. Yeah. So knowing the answer would probably kind of ruin the yeah yeah Yeah. you kind of want to have that question throughout it so yeah yeah, definitely awesome okay well before we get into that let's take a quick break and listen to a quick ad from our buddies over at here's johnny tales of giant monsters are as old as tales themselves what makes those stories fit into the kaiju genre and just how scary can they be larry and justin are pursuing this very knowledge on the Here's Johnny podcast, a horror show that arrives every week, just like your favorite radio drama, but instantly through forbidden sciences known as Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. There are a ton of kaiju out there to learn about. Just listen to your local emergency officials and stay out of their paths. Wait, say that again? Uh, sorry, folks, I'm getting a message from our staff. Uh, folks, we're getting reports that a massive creature has just risen off the coast of this station this way. Please follow evacuation protocol and... Listen to the Here's Johnny podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. All right, awesome. We're back. So, Mars, you selected After Midnight. What made you decide on this movie? Kind of on a whim. Uh, it was one of those days where we were already recording and I hadn't quite chosen. I'd had a couple of couple of options that I wanted to run by you. And it just so happened that this is the first one I pitched. You hadn't seen it and you also wanted to. It was on mm-hmm. your list of things that you'd been wanting to watch and just hadn't gotten to. It seemed like the perfect choice. It and the picture and the description made it sound like, oh, well, this is it, it was intriguing. It's on Shudder. I don't watch a lot of things on Shudder because I forget I have a subscription to Shudder all of the time. (laughs) God, I feel like I watch Shudder more than any other of my services. Yeah, I have a tab open all the time to Shudder. And for some reason, I'm just blind to it. And every once in a while, I see it. and I'm like, oh, that's right. I am literally paying to not watch these movies. There's a if you like the actor Bria Grant who plays the girlfriend in this, you know, like sometimes actors like have a moment where there's just a bunch of really good stuff that they're in. Mm-hmm. She is having that moment. I really like her. She's this is great. the first time I've ever seen her in anything, but I liked her. Yeah, we actually I just interviewed her somewhat recently for the More Deadly podcast because she wrote and starred in a movie called Lucky that is on Shutter, and she also oh. directed the movie Twelve Hour Shift, which I think is on Shutter, and I really liked a lot. Okay. So yeah, Bria Grant is what is up. Have to watch more of her. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, yeah, I was I was definitely excited when you picked this one. I also was thinking about how you talked about in the past you have this game where you and your friend would like trade movies and you had to figure out the connection. Oh yeah. And unintentionally we've been playing this game. I know. <laughs> we played it again for a couple <laughs> of reasons. For one thing, it stars Justin Benson, who was in the Endless. And right. it was also produced by Justin Benson and Aaron Morehead. <laughs> <laughs> the directors and stars Finless. So I'm just like, all right, challenge accepted. Except for that I don't want to pick something that's connected. So you're about to win the game. <laughs> 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 but it was just like, it was funny that you talked about that. And then it basically happened. Happened, yep. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about this movie. So it's from 2019 and it is co-directed by Jeremy Gardner and Christian Stella. And 
Gardner, who play, also plays the main character and wrote the film, he's probably best well known for his first film called The Battery. Have you seen that? No. Okay. It's about two former Major League Baseball players who are basically stuck together during the zombie apocalypse. <gasps> okay. Yeah. Well. And it's like a two person movie, essentially. I mean, unless you count all the zombies. Right. <laughs> and there's this really funny sort of easter egg in this movie that comes from that he does a whole dance number to the song i can't remember what it's called it's like called down by the river i think and then during this movie there's a karaoke scene where one of the characters sings that song oh so i was like what crazy okay so christian stella was actually the cinematographer on that one so that was their first time they collaborated and then they teamed up again for uh, another movie called tex montana will survive and again jeremy gardner plays the lead role and it's about a fake survivalist who gets called out. And so he tries to prove the point by becoming a survivalist. And it's oh, that's kinda, interesting. Yeah. I don't think it goes very well. Oh. <laughs> the reviews are good on it. So I think probably at some point I'm going to check it out because I want to have seen all three of his movies. Yeah. And then they co-directed that one. And Christian continued to do the cinematography. And the same thing with this, where... Jeremy Gardner wrote and co-directed it with Christian and Christian also did the cinematography for this. So they're kind of a directorial filmmaking duo in the same way that Justin Vincent and Aaron Moorhart head are. And so it's interesting that they're both collaborators and kind of, they joke about how like, Oh, we just stole their, their style essentially being the, the two person <laughs> collaboration. Yeah. So that's what I've got for this movie. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> I'm tired too. Listeners, let's just put it out there. Both Mars and I are a little bit tired today, so we're going to be a little little messy and a little, probably a little punchy and could be really funny, but it could also just be very chaotic. So yeah, we'll see how know. many large chunks of plot I completely have forgotten about. <laughs> I know normally I get an outline for you, but there was, usually I just steal it from Wikipedia for you to be able to reference back to, and yeah, there wasn't it's a single, one. It's a single paragraph. Oh, you looked as well. <laughs> yeah, sure damn like, did, because I want to help am... you out, you know? <laughs> I think I started relying on, on your outlines as a crutch, because I didn't used Yay. to for the for years, and then this last year or so, I'm like, oh, it makes my job so much easier. And now there isn't one, I'm like, I've never even seen the movie, I think. <laughs> It'll come to you. I mean, it's not super plot twisty, but it'll be We'll fun. see. We'll uh, it, it'll, it'll be good to try to do this without the right training wheels again. I used to do this all the time. I can, yeah, come on. You're like the it. Michael Jordan of winging it. You'll be fine. <laughs> I, I wong braid. You did. I will wing. never. You wong it. I wong it. I, I, I wanged it. Nope. Nope. I didn't wing, wing it. it. I didn't. What, what is the right way to say that? Wong, wang, wing. I, I don't think winged I wanged it? It. it. It's starting to do that thing where the words don't make sense. There's a word for that, but I don't know what it is. Uh, in an unrelated story, there's someone who works at one of the other warehousing companies in my same business park. They're like across the street. And I don't know who this person is, but they drive this metallic purple sedan that they've just horrendously pimped out. It's got a spoiler on it that's about the same size as half the car. Uh -huh. It's just awful it's the most visually offensive thing i've ever seen <laughs> but on the back of the spoiler under on the underside and i don't know if this is a reference to something or if this person just made this conscious decision but it says stop looking at my wang and no. i i don't 
I, no. I, 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 is this the Portland equivalent of truck nuts? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. But but the one thing I do like about this car is that the license plate is almost Subaru, except for instead of the R, it's a W, and I think it crushes my brain. It's so adorable. Subaru. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go for a drive in my Subaru, and it's adorable. It's the cutest thing. So every time I take laps around the block, sometimes just to get away from my desk, and every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, it's the Subaru. <laughs> Which I, I feel like is probably the exact opposite reaction, and I'm not – I yeah, have seen the owner. I have seen the owner of this car. It is a man, so I'm not just assuming it's a dude. But I have actually seen the. Owner I of the mean, car. that is some serious bro energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I feel like that that reaction is the opposite of what he was going for. Somehow, like he, has, he like pissed off his ex girlfriend at the DMV or something. He didn't even ask for a. A personalized license plate she just issued it and he's stuck with it this is the narrative that i am enjoying in my mind <laughs> this is my fanfic so anyway every time i go by it's always oh it's a subaru, subaru. now whenever see? i see a subaru i'm gonna be thinking subaru so thank you for that it's so cute all right so the the thing i was trying to come up with is called semantic satiation oh so if you ever are on jeopardy and it comes up. The thing where a You're word welcome. starts sounding weird. Or yeah, whatever. it's a psychological phenomenon in which rep- repetition causes a word or phrase to sem- temporarily lose meaning for the listener. Yeah. Subaru. On a, on a similarly, it. I'm getting real tangential. Tangential. Dude, we are, it's too early in the podcast for us to be this drunk. This is, anyway, this is I, I was driving home from work the other day, and I ended up behind this little red sedan, and the license plate literally was just the word tired. amazing (laughs) i was trying to take a picture of it it stopped at a red light and i couldn't get i couldn't get it in time and then it drove away but it's like that is amazing that person is my hero for just embracing yes i i once saw a license plate that said it was on a hummer and the license plate said hummer time (laughs) and then i pulled up next to it and behind the wheel was mc hammer (laughs) oh my god (laughs) I'm that sounds like lying. a dream you had. It, I swear to God, I took a picture of it. I can find the picture. It was on the San Mateo Bridge, leaving our old office. And oh my God! I was stuck in traffic next to MC Hammer and his Hummer that says Hummer Time. The, oh my God! <laughs> True ass story. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my god. Because when I was making fun of it, I was like, if this motherfucker is not MC Hammer, we are gonna have to <laughs> road rage on him. And I pull up and it's like, please hammer, don't hurt him. Like too legit <laughs> to road rage. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So that's a thing that happened. But I at the same time, I feel much more identified with the person with license just as tired. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even like they had to swap out some letters for numbers or something like that. It was just straight up just the word tired. <laughs> I would have fucking died. I know you were dying. <laughs> it was such a sad moment to be alone. So it was like right? nobody else. I can't share this moment with anybody. <laughs> that is so good. I love it. It was so good. <clears throat> But it means that this person lives in my city somewhere, so possibly. Oh my god, I'm on if the you lookout. cross paths again, you've got to try to get a picture. Right, yeah. I need to see it. Yes. Okay, I'm trying to find it in my pictures. I'm going to find it, because 
It sounds like bullshit. It does. It sounds like a dream you had. I did find, I took pictures of someone that had Yo Bitch as their license plate. <laughs> I could send you that one. Hey, folks. Rachel here. Just popping in real quick with a little correction. I did find the MC Hammer Hummer photo in my, in my phone. And I have to say, I there is one little detail I had incorrect here. The license plate did not say Humma time. It said MC Humma. <laughs> so my sincerest apologies. Frankly, I'm just, I'm kind of relieved it wasn't just a fever dream. Because when I couldn't find it, I started to get a little worried. Anyway, if you want to see it, I'm going to put the link uh, to a photo in the show notes on the Zombie Girls website. So check it out. All right. Too legit. Back to the episode. All right. Anyway, where were we? Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about this movie. (laughs) Oh, that's right. All right. All right. So, Mars, tell me about After Midnight. So, After Midnight starts out with a scene where Hank has got this giant old house that's been in his family forever. And he's bringing his, his new girlfriend at the time, Abby, to the house for her birthday so he can have a little romantic evening where we kind of just sort of meet them and they're very cute and they're very much in love and we have a weird conversation about static and there's a tape that she comes across a tape that he made for like an ex-girlfriend when they're younger and it's just one tape or one song on repeat you know anyway we're just getting to know them as a couple but it turns out this is a flashback because yeah. present day hank is a big old mess and he's living in this house <laughs> and things are not going great for Hank because there's there's we learn pretty early on he's sleeping on the couch propped up against the door because they're the monsters and Mm -hmm. I think it's the very beginning when he shoots the hole in the door right yes yeah so at this point I mean we don't really see much of the monster at all it's just sort of we hear the sounds which are really creepy I did like there's those frosted glass windows through the door and you kind of see the shape moving past it Mm -hmm. yeah creepy he blows a hole in the door and the monster runs away and we find out that Hank has been living this way for a while. Eventually, we do learn that he's been living this way for a month. Mm-hmm. But the next morning, he gets up and he's just kind of going about his business. And just through, uh, you know, things that we're observing in the house, we're kind of learning more about his situation. There's just a note from Abby that's like, had to go, love you, so sorry, you know, whatever. He's going through the mail. And a lot of this centered around Abby's birthday. Because mm-hmm. we open on her birthday the present day is also coming up on her birthday and then events culminate on her birthday so i had many thoughts on what i thought this was going to be i was wrong on all of them but i mean literally from the very first scene when he's talking about the sound of the big bang and all this stuff i was like okay this is gonna matter i was having flashbacks to what was the one where they came out of the water the beach the beach house oh yeah where all that stuff about you know I don't even remember what. Where she was talking about the perfect combination of elements is what created life. And if yes. any, any one little thing had been out of balance, it would have turned out completely different. And yeah. Yes. And then it ended up being the theme. Yes, basically. exactly. So I was like, okay, th- this is important. I need to pay attention yeah. to this. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, not so much. It's just him running some really specific game. <laughs> really specific game. I mean, it worked for him. So Yeah. Hey, listen. Sure. Can't. He got to date Bria Grant. You can't, <laughs> you know, with results like that, you can't knock the hustle. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, if it works, it works. 
So what we kind of get over the next several scenes is just showing that Hank is a dick. He goes out to get his mail, which is just full of more birthday cards for Abby, and he just swears up and down that this truck swerved and tried to hit him, so he's shooting his gun at it, and who really knows what the truth is at that point. But because he does that, the sheriff gets called to his house. The sheriff, who it turns out is Abby's brother. Mm-hmm. And there, there's just more kind of... just. It, I mean, it wasn't like an awful information dump. It was just that we learned, A, that he's her brother. B, people are kind of worried about Hank. And uh, C, Hank has not seen the cat in a while. <laughs> R.I.P. Darby. Yup. Yup. Thanks for that warning, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, good friend. Good friend. We also see the outside of Hank's front door, which is all scratched up and everything. And, I mean, it was actually... for. For being this early in the movie, and I know, knowing we weren't going to see the monster this early, it all these kind of little clues that the monster leaves behind just are creepy. I mm-hmm. mean, I know it's just a scratched up door, but kind of giving an idea of what is out there without showing it yet. I, I don't know. I liked the creepy scratched up door. Especially later when it's unclear if the monster is real or not, because you're like, oh, he's doing this to his own door. Yeah. That is... Not a good sign. Abby better stay gone. Yep. It's also during this conversation that they, uh, the sheriff mentions, I am forgetting what the sheriff's name was. Shane. Shane. Shane mentions that, you know, oh, Jesse's place? What is their bar called? I don't remember. Yeah, it's called, called Jesse's Place. Jesse's Place? Okay. Yeah. He's saying, you know, oh, they're saying they haven't seen you down at Jesse's Place in a while. I, I didn't uh, know it was a bar. I was like, Jesse's Place? What? Yeah, I was like, oh, Jesse sounds like a cool dude. But... <laughs> wonder what his house is like do you know that i did not know till the end of the movie that that was their bar <laughs> that was oh, really? his job because through the whole movie i was like what's his job and then later on when you saw the wine grows i was like are they making wine because there's a whole thing about peanut wine was not till the end but that probably has less to do with the movie than it does me and my state of tiredness <laughs> Yeah, so it turns out, I mean, we don't really learn until about halfway through the movie that Jesse's Place is a bar that Hank and Abby own together, Mm -hmm. and he just hasn't been there in a while, despite owning and also running this bar. It also made the scene where he got to stay after the bartender left make a lot more sense. (laughs) Right? I was like, wow, he must really be a good, loyal customer. They're just like, yeah, just hang out. (laughs) Just uh, lock up when you leave, you know, leave the key (laughs) under the mat. It'll be fine. But he does end up going to Jesse's place after that. Not to work, necessarily, but to just drink with his best friend, which is when we meet probably my most favorite character in this whole movie. Yeah, he's pretty great. He's pretty great. I mean, we open on, I mean, he just has such a great way of delivering his lines, but we open on him telling a story about how he was freaked out by a spider, but he didn't want his wife to know that because he didn't want to seem like a little girl, so he told her it was an an invader a home invader and i just love his like which turned out to be worse actually <laughs> or whatever however he says it. yeah he's really funny he's really funny in this every scene he's in i i love i loved his just the way he delivers his lines where you know his character has no filter so he's just kind of speaking his train of thought as yeah, it's happening <laughs> yeah he's great he's great he brings a lot of humor to this this, this yeah. movie is actually pretty funny it is. Very emotional, but it's also pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So, but he's in the bar, and we're kind of just basically learning about him and his relationship with Wade and the bartender, and just kind of seeing that he does have a social life, just has been neglecting it. So it's not that he's a total loner, just 
Which you might think because he lives in this weird dilapidated house. Right, and he's clearly missing Abby, and at this point we don't know how long she's been gone either. Shane makes a comment, you know, it's it been 10 years, but the way he delivers that, I was like, it's been 10 years since she left? Or yeah. what are, you know, so we're getting bits of this information, but it's not all of it all at once, so you're still kind of putting things together. Meanwhile, you're also trying to figure out, because, I mean, you already kind of, I, at least I did, was already getting the feeling, there's a chance the monster's not real, right? Right. I had two thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. There's either the monster is not real or the monster is Abby and this is some sort of, she turned a certain age and that's why we talk about her birthday all the time. She turned right, a certain age and right. now she transforms into a monster on the for a, a month. I, I don't right. know. You know I like, had the I, same thought because she was not answering his phone calls and and she, yeah. and it showed up right after she left. And I was like, oh, maybe she left because she was knew she was transforming. Right. Yeah. I also had that same thought process like that. during the we'll get there at the end but through the entire final dinner i was like well is she, is she gonna change is she gonna shapeshift what's, what's going on what's going on what's going on and uh, i was surprised but not because of that <laughs> right <laughs> i also liked in this moment when or in this this scene when wade is volunteering to take the the mat shot for just oh do people or- really do that or is that just a trope do people do that I've seen people really do that. Ew. Not, not often, but I have seen it happen. Yeah. Oh my god. And I just love even That's even how you Hank, get Jardia. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or staph infections or something. Oh. But I also really loved how Hank delivered his line here where he's watching this happen. He's just like, You are a grown adult. You are a man. <laughs> like you are You have or he was like, You are a grown adult. You have you are a father. <laughs> yes definitely so i did really like the scene not because anything really great happens but it's just watching these two characters kind of just banter and i don't know it just seemed very realistic the way they talked to each other and it was funny yeah it's funny as hell agree agree so hank goes home once again and he's waiting for the monster something that shane had said to him earlier was that you know maybe the next time it shows up you should take a picture or you should shoot it with your camera and not your rifle because nobody believes him. Understandably, too. If I lived in a small town and some dude had just been left by his girlfriend, or even hadn't just been left by his girlfriend, and just started saying, like, monster is coming to my home every night at midnight, I would honestly side with Shane and be like, it's a bear, or it's a, or side with Wade and say it's a panther or something. Yeah. And I would suggest maybe take a picture of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because nobody believes you, and it's understandable that they don't. Also, can you please not be, you know, waving your shotgun around at your neighbor? Right! I'm, he's lucky that that dude was his almost brother-in-law, because I think right. most people would not get the same gentle talking to about shooting at a neighbor. <laughs> the consequences right. for that were shockingly small, but then, I don't know, maybe that's how they do it in Georgia's. Is it Georgia or, or northern Florida? I don't know. One of them, their places. You know, it might have been northern Florida because I remember when he buys her the peanut butter or the peanut wine and he said it's from Georgia. I feel like that's a comment you make when it's from another, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think, he, weird... I think he's in northern Florida. I think that's where it is. I think yeah. it's on that panhandle that's basically essentially Georgia. So, yes, I think they are in northern Florida. So he's going through his camera and, of course, it's just. Or it show no, the monster shows up, he tries to snap some pictures of it, but they're all just really blurry. Oh, and this is the one where we get the creepy claw through the hole in the door. Yes. Oh, this moment was so good when you see the shape moving past 
the frosted glass window, and then the claw just comes in mm-hmm. through the hole. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. So good. But so Hank tries to take pictures of it, and of course it's one of those things where it just focused on what was closer, which would have, unfortunately was the door a lot of the time, and every, anything through the hole is blurry, and it's just nothing doesn't get any good pictures of it but when he gets to the end of the roll of pictures of the monster that he's taken it's now pictures of him and abby which of course sends him back down you know this movie's interspersed with all sorts of flashbacks that he's having of better times with abby and this is one of them Quit also putting it off you gotta go the there <laughs> most horrifying moment in the movie for me <laughs> Which, if this is what it means to be in a relationship, I'm just going to choose to die alone because I will not. What if this was what it meant to be in a relationship? What if you could have the perfect partner, but once a year on their birthday, you had to sit in a hammock and let them put their feet next to your face. (sighs) But the rest of the year, perfect partner. It better be fucking absolutely perfect because goddamn, that <laughs> one day. How many days would it take you to recover afterwards to when you're like, okay, that's right, I, I right, do love don't you. Don't have a, experience a full body shudder every time I look at them. Yes, I'd say four to eight. <laughs> Some multiple of four, four eight but, sixteen, uh, something like that. Four eight. 1648 who knows <laughs> but no this is the most horrifying moment of the movie for me because the picture he sees is one where abby has just both of her bare feet on his face no 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 the... both of his feet are on her no no the picture is oh, both is of hers it? on his and then the memory is of his feet next to her face and her grabbing his foot and pretending it's a phone. Yeah, that's pretty rough. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm glad you picked this movie because this is the point where I'd be like, I'm so sorry. I feel guilty. I put you through another foot thing. But you seem to have the dowsing wand for finding foot heavy filming. Uh, right? <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> my memory's going back to, was it Mercy Black? Yes. Where she has to cut open her own foot and use her yes. foot blood to leave a message. And I uh, I watched that movie three times and did not even remember that happened because I so deeply blocked out that moment. Yeah, although I did make you watch Revenge, which has one of the most upsetting pieces. Oh, God, yeah. But at least it's foot trauma and not foot to face Here's contact. the thing. The foot trauma is easier for me to handle because I can just shade it in as it's a wound, right? Yeah, I yeah, can just yeah, be yeah. like, look at the gore, look at the blood, look at the torn tissue, and I can not fixate on the fact that it's a foot when it was this where it was just like oh my god we're so cute and goofy i'm gonna put my feet on your face oh god makes me want to gag just saying that sentence (laughs) i have a full body reaction to even saying and then just oh their whole like we're so goofy your foot is like a phone i'm gonna put it on the side of my face It was a rough one. And the thing is, is it was also kind of a long scene. There was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of footage. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't Okay, well that. done. I'm well really done. Proud well of done. That one. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Sorry. Anyway, so cutting back to the present, Hank's now very upset because he didn't get his monster pictures and he also had to think about what, for some reason, for him, is a pleasant memory of Abby. 
So after this, he kind of wanders down into what has become a storage room, but used to be a laundry room ish in has, a better, brighter time. Yeah. What well, has all the cases of the peanut wine? Because there's like an yeah. ongoing thing about this peanut wine. Right. And he's down there because in the bar, Wade had been asking him about this buck that he shot that was apparently huge. I don't know. It looked average to me, but whatever. What did he say it looked like? It was like a fucking plane with antlers or something. Yeah, he like... likened it to like a tank or something. Or Yeah. And it was and kind th- of- I was expecting elk an elk. Villa. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And then I was like, okay, yeah, that looks like the shitty deer head that I had in the trailer that my roommate found at a, you know, thrift store or something. Right. They named it Valentine and all this. And Hank had said that he was keeping it in a closet because Abby didn't like dead shit on the walls. and Which I'm like, same girl. Right, right. And Wade is kind of like, well, you should bring it to the bar. We'll hang it up here and all this. And he says something about how it's funny because he's like, yeah, you know, Native Americans say that the, the deer head will protect you against spirits. And he's like, they do. And he's like, or I don't know, Vikings or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like him because it sounds like the kind of dumbass conversations that you and I. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, or Vikings, or witches, or something. I don't know. So Hank's having a moment of breakup rebellion, where he's like, you know what? If you're not going to be here, I'm going to hang my dead shit on the wall. So he goes and he finds Valentine in a closet and hangs him up, which will prove to be important later, it turns out. It turns out they are good luck. Apparently, yes. The Vikings slash Native Americans were correct. (laughs) And or Native Americans. (laughs) (sighs) So the next scene we get is another really great Wade scene. It's one of my favorites, but Mm -hmm. Wade shows up and they're standing outside and Hank is trying to tell him about this monster and Wade's on this whole thing where he's like, you know, a cat could do this. Uh, And he talks about how his his wife just watched a documentary about how cats are crazy and all this. If you die in an apartment, a cat will eat all your soft parts. And he's like, and you know, it's the same for when they're in all sizes. So it's a panther. It's definitely a panther, and I love Hank being like, have you ever seen a panther? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Do you know anyone who's ever seen a panther? Nope. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was... <laughs> nope. <laughs> it was just such a good, it was such a good, mo- I mean, like I was saying earlier, I love any scene that Wade was in. Yeah. And this was a really good one, but it led into my even more favorite one, where he wants to track down this animal, because the night before he did shoot it. Right. Or, no, or the, yeah, he shot it. This wasn't the bear trap moment yet. No. He shot it. And, I, and the scene opens with Wade just being like, well, that's a pool of blood. <laughs> and <just> like, <laughs> Thanks, Wade. <laughs> so Hank and Wade go off into the foresty, jungly, swampy area to try to find this creature. And Wade just goes off on this tangent about how he watched a documentary about aliens and how <laughs> on they the don't... history channel <laughs> on the history channel and i love that he makes that point where he was like in this this one movie this is on the history channel <laughs> and, you're like, and how oh, they God. they might look different than what we expect because they had different gravities and they might be squid creatures and all this oh my god it was such a good moment i loved his just his little rant about aliens and, mm-hmm. and i love his thing where he's like if one of them aliens pops out of the woods right now i'm gonna lose my shit <laughs> <laughs> okay can i sidetrack you for one second yes have you seen the news that they're making an ancient aliens movie yes so and it's like and it's like a real ass movie hold on one second let me pull up who it's by yeah this news came out this week 
Yes, the creators behind that Netflix series Cobra Kai are creating an Ancient Aliens theatrical film. Oh my god. It's gonna span the globe, apparently. (laughs) So you know they're gonna... Oh yeah, I was like, if Giorgio Tsoukalos does not show up and do the line, this movie is bullshit, period. At some point, he's gotta pop out with his goofy-ass hair and be like, it's aliens, or I'm calling shenanigans. (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay sorry i just had to make sure that you were in the know on that well, that one that's very important stuff it's yeah no that's a uh, that yeah so, i yeah. did need to know about that yes <laughs> <laughs> the other thing i really love about this scene is there's this really sweet little tender moment where wade gives him a hug yeah so they're walking and it turns out wade didn't really know that abby left and so hank finally stops walking and he's like abby left and they have that conversation and i love wade being like Oh my god. I knew something was going on and I'm over here talking about aliens and squid creatures. I'm such an asshole. <laughs> yeah, he's so lovable. But I also just, I know. These are two masculine hunter dudes, you know what I mean? And they have this super sweet, not toxic masculinity moment. And I just right. thought there are some very light and sentimental touches to this movie, but there's some also really authentic people moments in this and and that was a really funny sweet scene that to me turned into actually a really sweet scene i love it when when bros hug i love it and it was a real hug not like a we're gonna do this real fast because i'm embarrassed right hank hank has a nickname for wade you know he calls him bubba and he's like oh thanks bubba and wade is like you can feel the shame in Wade's voice when he realized, and he's like, oh, I'm such an asshole, you know? Yeah. It is a really cute moment between them, and cute in the best ways. Yeah. I'm not trying to be demeaning in any way. It's a really, really good moment between two people who are just honestly best friends. Yeah, well, I'm glad you pointed out the hug, because you're right, that's what it is, is it's a sincere hug where one person is consoling another. It's not laid for laughs or awkward or dude hug. It's a true hug and i think that's why that scene resonated for me is that they like hold each other for a minute in a way yeah. that is not played for laughs it brings to mind a lot of sitcom i mean this happened on friends all the time where joey and chandler would hug and they'd kind of do the awkward like are we gonna, are we gonna and then they just real briefly hug and slap each other in the back and be like okay good good yeah you know? and that that's shit. the i'm afraid to be a man and hug my male friends hug but it's these, the like, no homo hug i fucking right hate it. and i hate it <laughs> yeah. and i love that wade starts walking towards him and hank opens his arms like oh i really need a hug for my best right he right goes now, right know? in for the hug this is such a sweet sincere honest moment and i like love human it. human relationship yes yeah. yes i know i know it's a stupid little thing but i don't know i like to see it I do too. Yeah, I really, I, and yeah, and then again, when the hug's over, the hug's over, but they're not just like, all right, well, back to man stuff, you know? <laughs> no, no, we'll never talk about this again. <laughs> Although I do love that they're just, he's just like, you know, and he says, thanks, Bubba, and then Wade's like, want to go get drunk? He's like, yes, I do. <laughs> you know? Just like, Which also. again, reminds me of you and me. <laughs> right, exactly. I was going to say, should this moment have happened between you and me, it would have been the same. It would have been a sincere and appreciated hug, and then. Let's go get we drunk. should go get drunk. We absolutely <laughs> should go drink. One hundred percent. Okay, so later that night, Hank is home and he sets out a bear trap on his front porch and attached to a giant fan, which does trap the monster. But we hear the trap set off. The chain starts reeling through the hole in the door. So Hank runs out after it. We get some more fun little flashbacks. Hank runs out after the monster, but the next scene we get is that he's standing on Shane's front lawn in the early morning. Shane is still bathrobe cooking breakfast early morning. 
and he drops the trap and he's like, I set this bear trap out and it caught the monster. Monster didn't chew his leg off. He pried himself out of it. So he's trying to convince Shane that this is a crazy monster, right? But yeah. Shane is still kind of like, man. I mean, and again, understandably, unless you have visual proof of a monster, I also would still be on the fence on the side of it's not a monster. It's something that's explainable, right. you know? Yeah. Shane invites him in, which is really sweet. Shane's not super, super affectionate towards Hank, but you can tell that there's some part of him that's at least sensitive right. to the fact that this guy dated his sister for 10 years. You know, they were almost family, as how Shane puts it sometimes, because he's a little bit bitter, which is fine because it's his sister, but, you know. Yeah. He makes him breakfast, which was just the weirdest thing. I know it was probably oatmeal or cream of wheat or grits or something yeah it's probably i hate all three of those things though Mm -hmm. so and then just the biggest pile of bacon i've ever seen in my life (laughs) which it's funny he eats a piece of it and i don't know if he didn't want to do multiple takes or what but he almost loses control of that bacon i don't (laughs) i know these are little things that don't really matter but you know me i notice this weird shit right but the whole time they're having this conversation, right, Hank is talking about it. He's basically just trying to convince Hank that, or Shane that the monster's real. And Shane goes into this thing about how he doesn't believe in things unless science can prove that it's real. And if you talk to 100 people, 50 of them will claim that they've seen a UFO, and that doesn't mean it's real. You know, and how sometimes people will take their trauma and turn it into something that they can deal with in the real world instead of having to deal with it mentally and all this. And, you know, and it, it's... I mean, it's a good scene. It's a l- it felt a little long, but mm-hmm. that's fine. There are some other instances that are going to feel worse. So mm-hmm. it's, this was fine. This was okay. So if, even though this movie is interspersed by flashbacks, the whole thing, and a lot of them are just little vignettes of Hank and Abby walking through vineyards together or just eating sushi or painting rooms or whatever it is, we, we do get a flashback moment where we kind of see more into... Abby side of things. Yes. Where it is yet again an Abby birthday. And we find out that Wade and his wife are going to have a baby. And, you know, so it's, oh, we're so happy for you and everything. And Wade's wife actually goes like, well, what we want to know is when you guys are going to have kids. And Hank is just so immediately like, <laughs> what? No, that, no I'm, that's not ever. No, that's not for us. Yeah. And you can see Abby just being crushed internally by this. And that's when you kind of, I mean, well, we get we get more of that later, but you kind of start getting that, oh, she left not because she wanted to break up with Hank, but she left because she wanted things that he doesn't want. And yeah. at some point, you need to come to terms with that. And mm-hmm. so possibly that's what this is. This is also the first time we, he has a memory that aren't these super idyllic, romantic moments where they're like having sex or being sweet or having a romantic walk through, like you said, through a vineyard. And I think that there's some really great subtle acting that's happening here where Hank is oblivious to the subtle stuff that's happening on her face. As you can see her kind of realizing that they don't want the same thing or maybe realizing she wants something for the first time and he doesn't. Yeah. And you can see that there's a little bit of her heart breaking here. Right. And like I said, it's really subtle work. It was also, for me, I was very grateful for this moment because, and this was also greatly alleviated by the fact that Abby does show back up. But through all these scenes, we just see her smiling and happy. And I'm like, oh no. are we? I, I'm a huge Bria Grant fan. And I was like, she's getting a total manic pixie dream girl role here. Yeah. And I hate 
hate that. Once it shifted and we started to see some where the cracks are in the relationship and I realized where the story was going and thematically where it was headed, I was much more on board. But some of those early scenes, you were upset about the feet. I was upset about, like I said, the manic pixie dream girlism of it all. Right, yeah. Because I was like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm less, I care a whole lot less about this man suffering about his relationship working, not working out when he's not with a full-ass woman. You know what I mean? Right. Just, just a really sexist trope. But once we get into the deeper themes of this and she gets to be a fully realized human being, I was much, much more on board with this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we'll get there eventually, but I do love the way that was delivered where we did get that hole in the beginning where it's just like, oh, well, these idyllic I, memories of Abby, you know, and, but we saved it all for the, it felt more like more of a punch when she comes in and delivers the whole thing being like, you were oblivious to the fact that I was miserable. Yep. Yep, you know, yep, and it's yep, like, because yep. so were we as the viewers, we were oblivious to the fact that she was miserable. Right. And then when she delivers that message to Hank, it's almost like we're also fully realizing like, oh, shit. Yeah, I was wrong in being like, oh, she just left. What was me? So right. sad. Right. You know, and then you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, there was a whole lot of other things going on that I didn't even know mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll get there, though. But uh, <laughs> so Hank actually goes to work and closes down his bar. The bartender leaves Hank's head a few, and when he goes stumbling home, his door is wide open and his couch is tumbled over. And I do, I do love the way that scene opens where it's just him standing in the yard staring at his open door like, the fuck do I do now? Turn around, bro. Go. go right? Go. <laughs> Get the hell right. out of here. So Hank goes into the house and he's hearing sounds. He's hearing the monster moving around his house. So he's kind of stalking it trying to catch it i did like the way it was shot when the monster exits the house where we kind of just see things moving a second after the monster has passed by mm. i liked the way that was shot because it's still i mean we still haven't fully seen the monster right and it's creepy the way that happens when you see when you hear something and you don't see what it was all you see is the the motion of the objects it's run into on its way out yeah it's creepy. i mean the maximum with the exception of the ritual the maximum enjoyment you get out of a character a preacher reveal is that moment you see it. So the longer you can draw that out, unless you have the most superb creature ever, again, the ritual. Right. <laughs> you know, the better, because your imagination can fill in all of those blanks. And then when you get that boom reveal, you've drawn it out and then you get that maximum feeling there. And then there's no time after the fact for there to be diminishing returns. Right. Yeah. You know? So I think it's mm -hmm. very, very smart unless you have something extraordinary to do it just like this, where you just give just the little bits and pieces. You can you can maximize your fear that way. Yeah. And I also, you know, sometimes with these movies where we don't see the monster forever, like you're saying, it's necessary because the punch is when they kind of see it at the end. Otherwise, you know, if we see it too early. But I, you know, it can sometimes I think it's sometimes a struggle to allude to something that we don't see and i think that they handled it really well mm -hmm. with this movie i think the times that we do have hank interacting with the monster just a little like i was saying like i've said like probably four or five times at this point i don't know but when you see just the shape of it moving past the frosted glass window mm -hmm. just those little ways that they show it even just the claw coming through the yeah. hole in the door yeah. i think that they did a really good job at alluding to something that we can't see and keeping us interested in it 
and still yeah. making it scary, even though we haven't seen it yet. It also, it's a good use of exposition, too, because there's, they point out we caught it in the trap, but it, it was able to get itself out of the trap. So you're like, okay, well, your brain is trying to figure that out. You're like, okay, so this thing has intelligence and thumbs. Right. You know I mean? So the narrative is also doing some of that work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the monster rushes out of the house. Hank is close after it. And I, this is the scene you did not watch. No. And Full disclosure, I, am glad... I don't, I don't, animal death of any kind, no. Cat death of yeah. any kind, double, triple, mega, no. I don't, can't do it, sorry. On screen, oh, on no, screen, no, no, cat no, no, death no, of any kind no, 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 would no, no, not no, no, ever. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, so no, full no. disclosure, I did watch this before Rachel. I did warn her to timestamp. Yep, yep. And uh, she skipped it. Yes, I did. I'm not ashamed of it. That's what friends do. Listen, this is a free podcast, okay? You cannot make me watch animal violence. <laughs> You're going to have to pay me <laughs> if you want me to watch animal violence. And even then, I don't think you could afford me. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't doing it. So, this is a scene that I alone between the two of us watched. But that's okay. Thanks for taking one for the team, homie. I, I got you. I got you, girl. <laughs> so the way they shot this, I thought was really good. It was one of those scenes that we see in a lot of horror movies where it's pitch black and someone's using a hammer flash to see what's in the dark around them. But the flash is the shotgun. Gotcha. So he's stalking through the darkness and it is complete and absolute darkness. And he shoots the shotgun and it's just field, you know, mm-hmm. shoots the shotgun, it's field. And then in the darkness, he hears a little cat meow. No, I hate it. And he goes, this is why I'm saying I'm glad you didn't even listen to it because sounds. Yeah. So he hears a little cat meow and he goes, Darby. And then he hears a hiss and then he hears a crunch and he hears a yowl and he shoots his shotgun. And this is the first time we see the monster sitting in the, in the grass, having just bitten the cat in half. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't see that. Yeah, I and know. then it leaves the cat body on the grass, and you know so he what? shoots Sometimes the shotgun again. sound is even worse than visual. Right. No, I go back to this all the time when you're like, would you do that boat with the great white shark during the sea lion things? And I'm like, you know, it would terrify me in kind of a thrilling way, but what I wouldn't be able to handle is the sound yeah. of the sea lions yeah. panicking. Yeah. And you're like, oh, didn't even think about yeah. that. No, you're right. No. Because the thing <laughs> is, is they can, sometimes the effects won't be very realistic, but the sound will. Yeah, which concerns me because I'm like, how do they get that sound recording? Yeah, it's upsetting. Real upsetting. <laughs> it's funny. Hey! I, I've been watching those Saw movies for our crossover with Here's Johnny. And one of the things that disturbed me the absolute most in Saw 2 was the, the stair trap where the guy gets his leg broken. Because he just screams for so long. That's, the, that's what really gets to me. So yeah. It's been a rough week. Those are coming up for me next week. It's been a long week. (laughs) I mean, no end in sight. Okay, so anyways, back to anyway, back to the so so in the darkness, you just hear him freaking out, where he's just like, "What was that? What was that?" And he shoots his shotgun again, and that's when we see poor Darby on the grass, and it's awful. It was bad. So the next day, Abby comes home. Which is something that I didn't expect to see. No, I, that's honest. the twist of all twists in this movie. Where right? She just walks in the door like, whatever. And then he yeah. doesn't even go like, where the fuck have you been the minute she walks in? He doesn't even say anything. He just sort of walks up, sees her, and turns off the music and walks away. And she walks in not looking for him to be like, oh my god, I need to explain or we need to talk. She just starts doing dishes. You know, yeah. she changes out of her, her nice clothes into just home clothes and just starts cleaning up after him. You know, and... 
not only did I not expect her to come home, but I didn't expect it to go like this. No. It wasn't some dramatic. It was just like a, we had a fight and I came back again. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Tense. Yes. Tense. Uh, talk about, this is probably the most tense scene in the whole thing. And I, I know. Much, as an audience member, I want answers. Yeah. Well, it was one of those things where I was torn between, I want you to talk about it, or I want the floor to open. You know, like, yeah, have you ever been yeah, 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 hanging yeah. out with a couple who's fighting oh, and you're like, I yes. wish I was... You're like, I wish I could just sink into the couch and become stuffing because I do not want to be in this room right now. Do you have? Do you ever was... have that couple friend that always fought? No, I didn't have the couple friend that always fought, but I lived with a married couple for a while. Oh. So every fight they had, I was audience to. Oh, no. And it was times where I'd just be sitting on the couch trying to be a statue person <laughs> because I'm like, oh, my God. Because you can't get up and leave in the middle of that. That's way too awkward. So instead, you're just like, please take it somewhere else. This is the living room. It's a communal area. Right. I'm allowed to be here. Yes. I had a, I had a friend. Or I had this, they are now divorced. <laughs> oh. Literally every time we got together, they got in a fight. Every Great. single time. And I was just kind of like, I need to be hanging out with them. Because they weren't the kind that were like, we'll fight this out when we're alone. They would have the fight. Yeah. That's the thing is, I think that this movie does a really good cho- job of capturing the subtle tension of a relationship in decline. Yeah. Which I was not expecting from a horror movie. No, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of, as much as this is a horror movie, it's a monster movie. There were a lot of really, really good human to human moments yeah. in this movie. Uh-huh, definitely. Yeah. So our next scene is Hank burying the cat. It seems like he and Abby really haven't had a conversation about this yet. And it's just one of those things where he's angry digging the hole. And he's just, he's got, what was it, the collar or the toy or something. He's like, you going to put that in there or what? He wants to bury Darby, but he's also just upset with the situation. And, you know, and this is when Abby also starts to announce her birthday. And I need to clean up because everybody's coming over. Again, I was like, what? Right? Really? The, it, it just, it. The thing is, is I also feel like the movie is sort of, it doesn't give you an accurate picture of the passage of time. And so at this point, I thought she'd been gone for months or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so then for her to walk in and be like, you need to fix the door because people are coming tonight. I, I, it, was, it, was, it was just so strange and unexpected. Well, yeah, it's not until the scene after this that we actually get a, a timeline on how long she's been gone. So up until this point, you know, you're right. We have been guessing on how long she's been gone because it seems like it's been a very long time. But then we get these little hints like where Wade didn't know that she wasn't there, you know. Yeah. And I mean, a month is a long time if you have no idea where it's your where simultaneously your is. much less time than I would have thought based on how much he has kind of fallen apart. Exactly. But at the same yeah. time, I was like, what if my boyfriend did not come home with the, and did not speak to me for a month? Right. And didn't answer the phone. Didn't call. Nothing. Dead silence for a month. Yeah. I mean, so I was kind of like, that seems like not enough time. And then I was like, no, that's, that would be an eternity. That would be, an, yeah. it would be a, not a long time for everybody around him. And for him to seem like he lost it really quickly and was acting really strange really quickly. But actually being the person in that situation would feel like it went on for freaking ever. Yeah. And so that feeling of being dislocated in time actually makes perfect sense because it would be totally dilated for him. Right, exactly. For him, it would seem like, oh, it's been months Right, mm-hmm. when it's been one. Yep. For everybody else, they're like, something, something's going on with him. Yeah. Because he'd be playing quickly. Yeah. So 
he tells her about this monster, and it shows up after midnight, and they can't have a party for a num- I mean, he brings up the monster is the reason why they can't have the party. It seems also there are some other reasons why perhaps a party is not the right thing to do, but, y- you know, you can kind of tell that Abby doesn't want to air their dirty laundry, and so it's like, but it's my birthday. Everybody knows it's my birthday. Right. We're gonna have to suck it up and fake it, and we're doing this. Right. And she asks, like you said, she asks him to fix the door because she doesn't want to have to keep explaining it to people. Right. So that night, in what they're doing, a day for night moment, quite clearly, but that's okay. We get this scene where they have set up chairs in the doorway and they're waiting for the monster to come because Abby does, you know, again, understandably doesn't believe in the monster and Hank wants her to see it. I had a lot of changing thoughts about this scene. Okay, okay. I really, I really loved the way it was framed. The the two chairs uh-huh. and the way they're sitting in that doorway. And I was fine with it for a while where they're just talking about what's wrong in their relationship. And this is where it's revealed that... Sorry, sister. Why do they come in twos? I don't know. I mean, maybe oh, they're man. nervous. They they need to <laughs> go on a buddy system. I was going to say buddy system for safety, maybe. I don't know. Well, they but, heard uh... there's an exorcist, you know? but this is where we learned the timeline that abby was gone for a month but we also learned that she left because she was going to a college reunion that hank knew about and refused to go right that was another twisty twist i did not see coming right although i did like like his response he's like well that's nine hours what about the other four weeks (laughs) right yeah (laughs) so i mean and and that reveal says a lot about that relationship and where they were at it was not again another thing i was not expecting where it's like he fully knew where she was yeah she came home full four weeks later than she had planned but you know and you know it also just says more to the relationship and this is why i was good with this scene in the beginning Mm -hmm. where we start having this conversation it started to drag on and feel like one of those little independent theater single room Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. shows where you're kind of like well now we're getting a little bit we're stroking ourselves a little bit here it felt you know where yeah. it's just it's more of this this ongoing metaphor of the hunter and the, the he's just you know which is fine a little bit but it was just it was a little long for me you know i'm not trying to hate on it because it did reveal a lot and i did like how much it revealed of you know like like i was saying earlier this whole time we were just seeing hank's side of this whole thing about how abby disappeared and left him and the dust and we don't know where she is and why would she do this and now we're getting the same realization that hank is getting because he was oblivious to how unhappy abby was and how she wanted so much more than this and how she chose him over the life that she wanted and it was starting to hit her that she's at an age where she has nothing that she's ever wanted and you know she can start you know she's feeling that desperation of time kind of thing Mm -hmm. And she talks about all these things that she got to do while she was gone. And she feels insecure in the relationship that if it had been the other way around where he had gone to Miami with her, would she have been enough to keep him happy without his hunting buddies and his giant house and, you know, all this. And the fact that we as an audience are making the realization about what Abby was going through at the same time as Hank, I think was a really impactful moment. Mm -hmm. And I think it was delivered really well. It's just I think this scene a little 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 overplayed for me personally fair Fair. i mean okay so i actually read a little bit about this particular scene i read some interviews with jeremy gardner and this was written to feel like a stage play intentionally 
Okay, so well, you that were, makes sense. You were definitely... picking up on exactly what he was he was trying to do. If it didn't work for you, that's totally fine. It's a personal taste exactly. thing. It's not that it was. Of that's course. all it is. Of course, myself. Of course, but the thing is, is you're not you're not incorrect. That's exactly what he was doing. So if it felt that way, yes, correct. The other thing that's really interesting is, and I saw it when I was just sort of scrubbing through the second time to get the timeline for you. It's something I read about that I didn't notice, but they basically shot it as a single shot with an 8K camera, which allowed them to, over a period of, I think it's like a 10 minute, I don't know if it's 10 minutes, but roughly 10 minute scene, pan in so slowly and so that it gets like increasingly intimate in a way that your eye doesn't catch it. Until it's yeah, was... totally zoomed in. But if you fast forward, you can see it happen. And he had the entire crew get monitors and go inside the house so that when they were filming that scene, it was it felt like it was just the two of them alone. Whoa. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And I honestly didn't even notice that push in until you mentioned mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if it didn't work for you, that's totally a valid criticism. But it's still, from a filmmaking perspective, kind of interesting. So I wanted to... Oh, no, definitely. And the re- again, the reason why it didn't work for me is only because the stage play thing is not my taste. Totally. It's not totally. because it's bad in any way. It's just not not my cup of tea. I think I was so greatly relieved to be able to get to know her as a person in the scene. And the stuff that she was saying felt very resonant and real. And her performance was really good. So even mm-hmm. though I also picked up on the staginess of it, I was kind of just excited to watch that actor kind of do her thing and kill it. And I thought he actually did was really, as you were watching him, he looked like every boyfriend who's in the middle of an argument. Right. And even when he starts to break down and you realize that he's starting to realize that, oh, this isn't just happening to me, it's happening to her too. Yeah. I thought the performances for both of them were really great mm-hmm. in this scene. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So do you want to hear something gross about the house? Yeah. Okay. So the other thing I read in, I don't know if it was the same interview, but when I was doing my research, is that this house was originally in another movie. I can't remember what it was. It was some sort of rom-com or something uh, several years before. And one of Jeremy Gardner's friends worked on the film. He had to watch it at night or something like that. And he's like, this house would be perfect for a horror movie. you got to do a horror movie here. So flash forward several years later, the house is now pretty in disrepair. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go and see if I can do this house. And they're like, yeah, you can use it. And they're like, okay, we might ruin some things. They're like, yeah, do whatever you want to. We don't care. It's falling apart. Not only is it falling apart, but apparently, according to Jeremy Gardner, the house was in infested with spiders no. no and wasps no no to the point where they had to have exterminators out multiple times no and the house was so trashed they're like okay we need to get a service in to come clean it out beforehand they couldn't just get a maid service they had to have one of those those services that comes and deals with hoarder houses clean it oh my god and even then it was still full of snakes to the point where (gasps) oh my god it was mating season so they were everywhere inside the house Rhea grant is terrified of snakes apparently and they would trap her in rooms because she couldn't get past them oh my god they were falling out of the rafters of of the house cursed (laughs) that house is cursed We need to burn it down and raise the earth because that is cursed. That is cursed (laughs) bullshit right there. Isn't that, I mean, when I heard 
infested with spiders and fucking wasps, I would have been like, sorry, I guess I'll never be a movie star. I gotta go. Bye. Here's the thing is that of all the insects, spiders and wasps and wasps, wasps are my least favorite. I will hold a spider before I will be in a room with a wasp. Multiple trips from the exterminator. I don't have a huge problem with snakes. I don't want wild snakes near me because wild snakes are going to see me as a as a predator or a, a threat. I don't care for that response. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to be in a place where snakes are raining down upon us yeah. as we're hiding from spiders and wasps. One of the things I disliked about Costa Rica was you had to be careful walking anywhere there were trees because the snakes could be hanging down pretending to be branches. You could walk oh, into them. I fucking them. hate that. I did not like I hate it. That so My sister much. did not tell me. We got off at the bus stop, and you had to walk through the jungle from the bus stop to her house. And she was like, okay, look down and look up. Look down and look up. Because there, be, there could be snakes on the ground and there could be snakes hanging from the tree. Oh, I fucking hate that. A lot. It was, uh, it was a struggle for me. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I don't even really mind snakes. A picture of a snake doesn't bother right. me. If somebody has a pet snake that is not venomous, I'll touch it. I don't care. But right. that's not the same thing as walking your face into one that a poisonous yeah. venomous snake. That's a different. A wild snake that's pretending to be a branch because it is hunting because it is hunting correct it will either be like i am hunting and then i need food mode or in i need to defend myself from this thing that just punched into me right exactly even if it wasn't hungry if you smack your face into it it's going to respond yeah there was right i saw a lot of a lot of things and it's definitely not going to respond with oh i'm sorry pardon me oh yeah. I'm so I'm so sorry, man. It's a cool day. Please, you first. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> me. So yeah, Lo Siento. Just thought you should know about that. Like, there's I. The reason I brought it up now is there's a line in the arguments that they're having where she's talking about the house and how it's falling down. And I was like, <laughs> that was that may or may not have been in the actual script. That might have just been a statement on the set that day. That may have been some some real trauma coming forward. So. They do end up having a birthday party. The monster never shows up. Right. And they do end up having a birthday party for Abby, which is involves Wade and his wife and Shane and his, I'm guessing, girlfriend, possibly, or some a, a woman who's married. Mm-hmm. It's a karaoke party. It, it's one of those things where I think that Abby and Hank are putting on a good front of, yeah, everything's fine. It's a birthday party. But everybody kind of knows that Hank's been losing it and all that. At some point in the party, they're all sitting around a table. Everybody's been drinking. And Shane just brings the brings the truth in a very real way, where he just starts kind of talking about everybody's had a few monster. drinks, apparently, including Shane. Yeah, yeah, and Shane just starts talking about, uh, you know, like the reality of the monster and how you know you're almost family and all this, and he just starts kind of kind of ragging on Hank a little bit, and Abby is trying to. Sort of be a peacekeeper, but at the same time, Shane is not someone she can stop at this point. Right. But I don't know. It kind of turns out differently than I thought because Hank didn't get defensive. And instead, he actually is, you know, because Shane's like, yeah, I'm saying this because I care about you, you know? And it's you can tell it's still that kind of drunk dick, like, obviously, I'm looking out for you because you've lost it. Mm-hmm. But 
it leads into probably the cutest moment. One of the cutest moments I in this movie. I did where... not expect this. It was funny. <laughs> not at all. I was watching by myself and my boyfriend was in the other room. And that part was on when he came out of the den. And he like looked around the TV. He's like, I thought you were watching a <laughs> horror movie. <laughs> and I was like, this is like, it. As did I. <laughs> No, it's a super cute moment. So the whole time in the very beginning when we had the mixtape that Hank had made for his previous girlfriend, and he reveals that it's just one song on repeat so you don't have to rewind the tape and you can just listen to the one song over and over again. And Hank says, but we don't know what this song is. So Hank, who's drunk, is like, oh, you know, he reveals, this is the song, this is for Abby. It was for Jane or whatever her name was, mm-hmm. but it's for Abby. And he goes and he stumbles back in with the karaoke machine and it's Lisa Loeb staying, parentheses, <sighs> I missed you. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> and it's so cute. And we actually do get Hank singing the whole song and we get this cute little moments where other people join in for a little bit. And then at the end when Abby's just kind of lip syncing along with him and you can see the relationship kind of starting to heal a little bit. Right. And, you know, because it's through this moment that Abby's kind of seen that Hank has realized, like, I I have fucked this up and I want to yeah. I want to fix this. And it was actually a really sweet little moment. Yeah, he says, you're right about almost everything, but you're wrong about the fact that you're not enough for me. I was like, <laughs> I, I don't care if this is a horror movie or not. I like this. I'm rooting for this it's, relationship. It's so sweet. And then. Just when he ends the song, the monster attacks in what is honestly probably top, top ten, top three most shocking monster reveals I've ever I'm witnessed. I'm so glad I... you said that. Because I was, I was shocked. I literally was like, oh! So out of left field. <laughs> it's like, one of the best well-earned jump scares in a movie I've seen in a long time. I know jump scares are like read. typically considered cheap. Because this one wasn't accompanied with the bang. It was just right. a shocking, genuinely shocking moment. Agreed. Oh my god. <laughs> no no part of me at all expected it. And not in like a normal like, oh, a cat jumped out of a closet no. kind of jump scare moment. This was like, oh, okay, so this is how we're getting here. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and we finally see the dang monster. I can't get over it. It was so, it was perfect. It was definitely perfect. Yeah. It was amazing. That was so good. good jump scare. Yes. Very, very, very solid. What we get next is, so it attacks Hank. Everybody is now both freaking out because of what they're seeing, but also I think everybody's in a state of shock because they're like, holy shit, that thing is real? This whole time, we thought Hank was crazy. Yeah. Turns out there is a monster. And I liked it because everybody's performance was a little bit frozen in shock. It wasn't that thing that you see in most movies where people are just standing around screaming because there's a monster. But everybody was just kind of like, what? I, I don't even know how to process. I don't know how to process what I'm looking at Which right is now. literally what would happen. <laughs> right. Exactly. We all would think we jump into action mode, but we'd all just be like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> what am I even looking at? Yeah. What? So the monster takes a couple of good bites out of hank and then runs off and i also really liked hank's performance through this the wounds because they actually seemed like this is probably how you would react where you just got jump attacked by a monster 
and then at Bitten, this is the level of shock you'd probably be in. Yes. But uh, he fights the monster and ends up killing it with the antlers, with Valentine's antlers. Yes. Yep. And then as this is happening, they're looking for Hank's gun, but by the time they find it, it's business has already been taken oh, care of. Oh, Hank took care of business. <laughs> All of a sudden, this movie got real gory. <laughs> <laughs> real fast. And a bottle of wine rolls out of nowhere, which Abby picks up. And Hank, and I, I don't know why, I was, I just loved his crazy, wide-eyed, I'm bleeding from several major wounds yes. performance, where he's just sort of like, <laughs> given that level of shock where you're not even really fully feeling the pain yes. yet, because you're just full of adrenaline, and your body is just in survival mode. And he still takes the bottle from her and is like, I was supposed to give this to you. And he shows her the bottom and there's a ring in it. <laughs> and that's the movie, folks. Yep. Way to go out on a bang is all I have to say. Yeah, definitely. Oh definitely. So, okay, I'll say my first thought was, I don't think this, you know, I think if you're going for this for horror, you'll be underwhelmed. But there is a ton of emotional catharsis in you know, I think yeah. I, it's hard to be totally disappointed by it because I feel like the arc of the relationship, and I'm not even like a romancy kind of person, but by the time that the proposal came and the song came, I was so on board with this relationship that I was so satisfied by the way that the, the their relationship resolved at the end of the movie. Right. And I, I am also one of those people where it's like, if the movie is about a relationship that's not working, I hate when in the end... They're like, well, I'll just uh, magically it fixed. It's fixed now. Magically, no. we're gonna work it out. You know, because yeah. it's it. I it's too sweet and you know. I don't know. I just but this one, I was kind of like, all right, I can be I can be on board with this. Yeah, I can be on board with you guys working it out. Right, because what happened is she presented a very real problem, and he heard it. Responded. And he made amends. He adjusted his behavior. He met her needs. He realized, you know what I mean? It felt like how someone would authentically respond to a relationship. That's the thing is, it was not melodramatic. They didn't have a big blowout fight. They didn't do any of the movie things. They acted like how people act. They don't hate each other, but they're hurt by one another. Right. And it wasn't like most movies where they just come to the realization that they there are problems but they just can't be without each other yeah. you know it was two people being like this is why this isn't working for me and i love you and i want to be with you but i can't if it's going to continue like this right. and the other person being like oh yeah i didn't realize that was a problem here's what i'm going to do to change it can we still work yeah I don't know. I was. I'm okay with it. I. I'm good with it. It turns out normally, I I'm do like, have a heart beating somewhere in this chest of mine because normally you will never get me on board with a romance. I just don't care. Right? I just don't. <laughs> I actually actively dislike them because I feel like they're just. I don't know. I just don't. I don't like the messages most romantic movies send. I. Yeah. And I just felt like this one was real in a way that felt like too flawed people who love each other finding a way to make it work in a mature way and i was like yeah okay oh and a monster yay right <laughs> that's how they got On me board. in the door you know what i mean you needed the monster angle that's how you got me in the door and then i was able to buy into the the, the story right yeah 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 what about you no i yeah i i i mean i feel the same way i'm i'm good with them getting back together or you know at least alluding to there's a chance that they're gonna make this work because we left it 
without her necessarily accepting the proposal. She was gonna which, say yes. She was gonna. I mean, he was like, yeah. we can move to freaking Moscow. I don't care. I just want to be with you. I'm like, oh, he- <laughs> I did forget about that word. He's so happy with the way his life is, but after she expresses him, she's not. And the fact that, you know, and then his follow-up is like, you know what? It do- I can be anywhere. I could be anywhere as long as I'm with you. That's wherever you want to go. I love it. I don't know. I thought it was a realistic demonstration of the give and take and the compromise that a relationship right. takes. You know, it can't all be about one person. Well, let me tell you one more thing I learned in the, I forgot, I meant to tell you this earlier, and now's the perfect time. So I guess this is somewhat autobiographical. Oh. Yes. So Jeremy Gardner talks about how in relationships, this whole idea of sacrifice and also realizing the things that your partner has given up, all the things your partner has given up to be with you, when they choose you, they they have to unchoose a lot of other things. And so this this kind of got to some of that stuff in his relationship as well, his long-term relationship, oh. which is probably why it's so resonant and, you know. And real feeling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 It felt like such a slow burn movie until the end when it just exploded into so many different things. But I'm not mad about that pacing. No, I like Like, a slow burn that as long as it smacks you at the end. Right. And it definitely did that. Yeah, right. It was a slow burn, but then we got, you're right, we got smacked in three different ways right in the last 20 minutes of that movie. Mm -hmm. And and I wasn't bored with everything leading up to it. It was just. You know, I, I don't know. It was a different pacing mode than I've seen in most movies, but I liked it. It, well, it had me. It had a mystery, and it had a lot of really kind of human fun moments with, I can't remember his name, Bubba. Hank and Wade. Yeah, Hank and Wade. There were little beats when it would start to kind of, you might start to feel the pace normally. They would infuse some mystery or or just sort of a charming, fun scene. Yeah. This movie is very, very offbeat. There it are is. music numbers. There is a lot of dancing. There's the karaoke stuff. I mean, they, it infuses a lot of things. And it's such a mashup. It's a relationship movie. It's a monster movie. It's also, you know, like a buddy comedy. And yeah. also man versus nature. It's just all of these things all smushed into one. And for the most part, it all kind of works together. I think because it all, all of those things, what they, the through line is, is just that it's very offbeat. And so when... Right. Yeah. Tonally, when it remains offbeat, and you can kind of just go like, okay, I'm going to go with it. And it and it kind of works. Um, it was the same way with the batteries. In that movie, there's a whole thing where he does like, an entire song and dance. I mean, it's like a drunk, and he's got like, a gun in one hand and a bottle of booze in the other, and he's just dancing around and lip syncing. But it starts almost like a music video, where he's directly in the camera lip syncing to the song, and then does the whole song. And so I think he does. I think this is just kind of a Jeremy Gardner stylistic thing where he just kind of explores weird, offbeat ideas. And I don't know. I kind of like it. It, 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 it. No, I'm into yeah. it. It's unexpected, which I appreciate. And it feels like a point of view. It's unexpected, but it's also well planned or well calculated or something, you mm-hmm. know, because you see those movies where you see people trying things that are unexpected or are offbeat or are not typical and they're not executed very well. Mm -hmm. Where either it's very, very obvious that they're only doing it because it's different or it just doesn't play right or it doesn't land well or something. But I think with this, 
there are a lot of moves that are made that are not typical or standard, but they play. It's somehow, I don't know if it's an execution or performance or shot selection or whatever it is, but somehow, you know, it works. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. I do agree that it is horror adjacent. Yeah. I mean, obviously it has a, a monster and it has gore, but it's really more about the people. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like they look like people. Mm-hmm was a little bit horror adjacent because you or know colossal. we do get elements of horror kind of like yeah colossal. yeah yeah mm-hmm. where there are there are definitely elements that connect it to horror but it's mostly about the people yeah and which is relationships to each other and things like that and which definitely which, I, which i'm not that. knocking yeah no i'm fine with yeah. that i'm fine with that i do think it's important though to point it out though because i think this was marketed like a monster movie and so I think there's a yeah. chance that people will feel bait and switched by it. Hopefully they mm-hmm. won't mind because they'll just be invested in the story kind of like we were. But there is a chance that people will be disappointed by that. I think what's here, though, is definitely worth watching and definitely well done. Yeah, There's a lot agreed. of really cool visual moments in this, too. Just sort of shots like him sitting on the couch with the with the light kind of coming through, the beam of light coming through the shotgun hole in the in the door. Or, and then, you know, obviously, of course, the creepy stuff where occasionally you'll see the monster moving there. But just the shot itself, the, the composition of that shot is really cool. Also, when he's looking out through there and you just have his eye next to the hole and he just looks, I don't know, it's a great visual moment there's a lot of that throughout this there's some really cool choices with the cinematography and there's some some color toning things that happen where when he's looking when we're seeing flashbacks it's a lot of the warmer tones but when he's on the house it's blues and greens yes you know it's a lot of those cold cooler tones Mm -hmm. it wasn't blatantly obvious you know it's something that i just it's one of the things that people like you and i pay attention to anyway but you know so it wasn't that film school like oh everything's gonna be blue when he's alone and red when he's with abby you know but it was it was subtle enough to to be able to give you yeah yeah and it gives you the right mood Mm -hmm. and it gives you the right mindset to be in without being blatantly obvious or over the top or in your face with like be sad right now yeah definitely Uh uh-huh and the performances i thought across the board were really good same. Uh, yeah, I the agree. The standouts are obviously Jeremy Gardner and Bria Grant, but I thought everybody really kind of brought it. Oh my god, Wade killed I know, me he every was time. Really funny. He was really funny. <laughs> I just love his apology where he's like, oh my god, I'm just over here going over aliens and squid monsters <laughs> and I'm, so, I'm an asshole. <laughs> just in his performance, his character felt so bad for being like, oh my god, I just talked about squid monsters for 15 minutes and my best friend is going through a potential breakup. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know overall i really like this movie quite a bit it's it's a weird Same. one it's an odd one i would definitely give caveats so that people not because i think you know it's bad but but i think you can set people up for success or failure with this movie to some degree and so i would definitely provide them with some context but overall i would i would recommend this and i would definitely recommend checking it out i would recommend it across the board to anybody who likes horror movies and things that but yeah i same i would go in with caveat where it's like it's not your average monster movie there is a monster but you know it is a slow burn it is about other things you know i would definitely kind of give a a few more details before i wouldn't send someone in who's just like i'm just looking for a monster movie yeah like if someone's like i just watched godzilla versus kong i need another good monster movie i wouldn't be like after midnight right well then and i wouldn't want anybody's opinion of it to be affected by the fact that they were expecting one that's what i that's exactly yeah that's totally what i mean 
All right, so, Lars, if you were going to have watch this again, what would you drink? Okay, so, a while ago, we were sent some wines from a very, very amazing winery. Ooh. That I, I mean, and this was the time when you and I realized that we only like cheap wine, oh right? We only realized we like cheap wine because we've never had the good stuff. Yeah. Really but never been some... the same since. I guess that's why it's called Prisoner. Because <laughs> now we are. <laughs> so, the the drink of choice that I would pair with this movie again is actually going to be from our friends at Prisoner Wine Company. Okay, okay. It is Deep a wine. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It is a wine called Drain. Oh. And it's perfect. a red blend. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yes, because I guess, yeah, because there's like tons of wine in this movie. It, right? Yeah. And, you know. For a while, we're wondering a little bit if Hank is potentially deranged and making up a monster. Uh-huh. I mean, we're proven. It's proven in the end, but, you know, there's a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this wine is described as, it's a red blend, so it's a red blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Petite Syrah, Syrah, Merlot, and Malbec, mm. which is a lot of things, but I like them all. Mm. In Prisoner it's... Wines, I trust. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I, pff, ruined me. Ruined. Ruined, ruined me for all other wines. Ruined. Also, can we go on like a wine tour next time you're here? Oh yeah. Can we just, like, really day drunk in Hillsburg together next time you're here. <laughs> yes, please. Okay. All right, we'll plan it. We'll yes, figure it out. Please. We'll figure it out. Because I I've been there, but I didn't drink wine really at the time, and now I want to go be fancy as fuck. And now I have it's a now. wine friend. I never had a wine friend before. Oh, I am your I wine know. friend. I know. So we should. I know I describe myself as a whiskey girl, but on weeknights, I'm a wine friend. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. The winemaker notes on this are, this red blend is full of dark fruit aromas with baking spice, vanilla, and Yum. mocha. Yum. The soft. See, this is where it really gets me because I don't like harsh tannins. Okay. Like, I don't like that really strong tanniny thing. Yeah. But this is described as the soft, fine talons and balanced acidity lead to a full, lengthy finish. And those are the aspects of wine that I, it turns out, I very much appreciate. Wow, yeah, that sounds good. By the way, Prisoner Wine, yeah. if you want to send us some more wines, we will drink your wines. Um, we will sing their praises, because I have, I, yeah. I know that they sent us, what, three the yeah. last time? But I am fully convinced Every wine is an amazing. Yeah, I'd like system. to find like, out can't... though. I'd like to do an experiment to make sure to confirm. Yeah, maybe that system. should be. Maybe that should be my selling point. I'm not fully convinced. So if you could prove to me yeah. that all of your wines, I are... just need one bottle of every one of your wines. Thank you. <laughs> Plus, their bottles are so they cool. Really are. And this one for Derange, it looks like a person who's been trapped in a basement yeah. kicking off the days. Spooky. I like it. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, I like that. That's a good. Caring. And we started this off as the sommelier, and we, I think this might be one of the few times that we technically you are being a sommelier. So. Dude, we're coming home, because not only did I have to do the synopsis blind, yep. but I also recommended a wine. We're coming back to our yeah. roots, Yeah! <laughs> Throwback. Alright, awesome. <laughs> For those of you at home, maybe you have some thoughts about this movie, or there's something you'd like to hear us review, whatever the case may be. Uh, maybe you have a question. We like those too. You can drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can come over to the Zombie Girls Facebook page and hit us up over there. If you like the show, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. And if you're looking for something to watch tonight, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar on the website where we keep track of all the horror and horror adjacent stuff that's coming out. And there is a lot of stuff. 
a lot of stuff. If you're a video game nerd, we now have a Twitch channel. You can come watch. I've been playing Saw on there. You can watch me suffer. So you're not supposed to. I don't know. It's a little too realistic. It feels a little bit like torture sometimes. Oh, no. That game is broken. But we'll be playing other games on there, including some board games, stuff like that. So you should definitely check out our Twitch page. And if you're looking for some sweet new duds, you want to look sexy, we now have a Public store that you can check out on Public. We've got t-shirts for all the podcasts, including Stream Queens, which is a really cool design. It has Mars and myself on it, and she's drinking whiskey, and I'm running my mouth. So it's pretty <laughs> much the show on a shirt. Yeah, so check that out. And if you want to support us, we have a Patreon where you can hear all of our bonus episodes and extended episodes and all, all kinds of other goodies that you can find at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls. And then, of course, stay tuned to the Here's Johnny podcast because coming very soon is our special crossover extravaganza where myself and Mars are watching all the Saw movies with those guys uh first watch for me so that's uh been eye opening and eye stabbing so enjoy that and for anybody who's listened to this podcast from anywhere near the beginning to current day you know yeah you know yeah. how many years yeah i've been trying to get a saw movie in front of rachel you just needed to ask me when i was finally drunker, apparently <laughs> well and remember there were there was once where i was like the saw saw is on netflix I'm choosing it for my next movie. And by the time we got to that point, it was gone. Yeah, the universe used to be on my side. I don't know why it's turned its back on me. <laughs> no, it was just, you know, the universe delivers when you're ready. That's so, right? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh, speaking of Patreon, for those who are sticking around after the break, we are going to be talking about, appropriately, cryptids and swamp monsters from the deep south. So these are all spooky doings that, much like this weird cryptid that we've never seen before in this movie, there's some really strange ones. That, they cook them a little weirder down in the south. So we'll be talking about those. That should be fun. I want to get Mars's take on them, uh, which is always interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's about it, except for our plans for the next episode. Now, Mars, you picked this one, so it's my turn. Do you have any idea what I'm going to pick? No. Good. See, this I is don't. the benefit. I feel like you probably. Yeah, I mean, I definitely talked about it, but the benefit of you having insta amnesia the minute we stop recording means you don't even remember <laughs> that I said that. Which works out in my yeah, favor. Yeah, because I was going to say, I have a feeling that you told me about what you're going to pick, but I honestly do not remember at all. I'm very excited about this pick. We are going to be watching The Possession. Oh, okay. Okay. All so right. This yeah. is on Prime. And this came about because I found out that as much as you enjoy a Dybbuk box, you have not seen the Dybbuk box movie. So we are going to be doing that. So here's the synopsis from, I think, from IMDb. All right. A young girl buys an antique box at a yard sale, unaware that inside the collectible lives a malicious ancient spirit. The girl's father teams with, an ex with his ex-wife to find a way to end the curse upon their child. Into it. I'm here for I'm it. So yep. Excited. I mean, here's the thing. Maybe I'm going to watch it and it's not going to be as good as I remember, but I remember really liking this movie and really being largely because I was so unfamiliar with the mythology behind it. And I think, God, 
the Dubbock Box Aficionado. Did you see this? Well, and Dubbock Box has really creeped me out, so I'm really into it. Yeah. This one yeah, does yeah, some yeah, yeah, really yeah. creepy stuff. <laughs> okay. Yes, so I'm excited. Like, don't look at anything about it. Just go in as cold as possible, because I remember there's a really creepy thing that the trailer ruined, so if you don't remember it, I'm so excited for you to see it in context. Okay, and I will stay away from the Yes, trailer. good, good, good. All right. So, Mars, unless people are sticking around for the extended episode, this is it. You want to take us out? Thanks for listening again. We really, really appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time. That's all, folks! Bye, everybody! Thanks, everybody, for listening, and to Mars for always being willing to geek out about horror movies with me. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel Messman-Rucker. And our theme song for this show is Die Historic by Three Chain Links. I very much appreciate that you're quickly typing out those outlines for me. No, don't worry. So I'm not judging you on the couch, but I just like the accent. Monster gets couch, <laughs> get trap. Yeah. You don't get couch. <laughs> oh, now I'm getting paranoid. <laughs> that there monster doesn't get couch in the trap. It doesn't get couch. It's true. Oh shit, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> super woo. Uh, super woo. Super I'm going for a drive in my super woo. You're not going to get caught in your super woo. I'm going to go for a drive in the country in my super woo. <laughs> Randy Shake is ahead of me. <laughs> I hope I see some horses. <laughs> Let me do a chest ghost exercise. Oh my god, I have so many exercises under my belt. You really do. <laughs> I'm champion chest ghost exercises. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. I need a belt. Champion chess ghost exercise. Alright, I'll put it on the list. Don't know where I'm going with that story. I'm so, I'm so lost in my own life right now. <laughs> anyway! <laughs>